three weeks ago, um, we studied Reformation through generations. And in Reformation through generations, we discussed in, in some detail Israel as, as one of the chief generations we have to watch. And we discussed three generations of Israel, um, uh, knowing that we are now in the third and final generation. Um, and we even discussed and looked at some maps of Israel, right? Understanding um, how Israel is gaining their own land um, more and more and more. They're reoccupying their land. Uh, it's about 60% full at this point, um, and that's huge. Uh, then the next, that following Friday morning, Saturday morning? Saturday, Saturday morning, Israel was bombed um, and attacked. Um, and then we discussed on the following Sunday, a reformation through attachments. We began to look at attachments through people when um, we discussed the importance of that northern part of Israel as of then, the northern part of Israel had not been attacked, but we discussed Golan Heights, you guys remember? And how you have to keep your eye on Golan Heights because if the northern part of Israel is attacked, then that could pull in the entire world. Um, and then the following sun Wednesday, Wednesday night, they had attacked the northern part of Israel. Okay, so, um, so last Wednesday night, um, we had a conversation because there's, one other time that the Lord prepared our church in advance of some global uh, calamity, and that was during COVID. Well, just before COVID, our church was made aware um, of COVID because we were in South Africa um, and before they started reporting here in the States. And so when we got off the plane, we recognized we needed masks. And um, then we started buying things and collecting all the Lysol and masks that we could. Um, before uh, the U.S. government began to say um, that there was going to be a pandemic here. And by, the, by then, the shelves were empty. Um, and so we had a, a little bit of preparation. And yeah, so on this go around, when the Lord kind of gave us some insight ahead of time, I didn't know what it was for because, number one, nobody knows us. We got some subscribers, you know, about 60,000 or so. But other than that, what am I going to do with that information? Um, and then on Wednesday before our service, the Lord just said prepare, um, is, which is why I gave it to you the last time. Um, so for whatever reason, uh, we discussed preparation on Wednesday night. Now, the reason why I asked people to come to church today is because I've noticed y'all don't know. In, in my conversations, there are so many questions about things that are happening currently, and, and, and you don't know. You don't know things. And um, some of you don't watch TV. You watch your phones and your, your social medias. You don't watch CNN. You don't watch MSNBC. You don't watch Bloomberg. You don't watch BBC. You don't watch Al Jazeera. You don't watch any of these, all right? And so that causes a problem because when you get all your information from your phone, all right, then it only gives you information that uh, intrigued you. Yeah. So you never really get a full scope of what's happening. And, and, and so that's one of the things. And I thought it was just a couple people that didn't understand, but in, for, for all week I've been inundated with questions that I had assumed everybody understood and knew. And you don't. So um, in essence, we have been told, um, and this is the thing, I do not, 
Cece and I had mentioned a conversation that I had months ago um, with Danny and her, um, and they asked, do I think that there's gonna be another COVID shutdown? And I said, um, no, I think if there's gonna be any other further moves to uh, shorten America's freedom, it's probably gonna be military. And that was months before now. Um, and so um, she said, oh, you're a prophetess. I said, I am not a prophetess. <laughs> that is not my calling. Um, and then the next book I picked up on the history of Jerusalem said that prophetia for them did not mean that one that can predict the future, but that one that analyzes the present situation and understands the will of God. And I was like, well, in that case, possibly. Because I told her, I said, this is not forward thinking or visions. This is just, you can just look right at it and see. And, and, and I realized a lot of people can't just look right at it and see. And I was like, it is so obvious, right? Okay, so um, la this morning, because I couldn't sleep, I had to stay up because Israel is up. And um, I don't know how many people have been praying for Israel nonstop. Nonstop, nonstop, it's a shame. I can't help but to pray and cry. I cry every night, every night. You don't understand the magnitude of what's happening. Um, thousands of Jews died in their homeland. That has God's undivided attention. I mean, undivided attention. You could look at all the stories in here in the Old Testament and see what happens with God, the creator, and Israel. The whole story in the Old Testament is about them, their relationship. And then the New Testament takes that relationship when they, were, when they rejected the Messiah and allowed the Gentiles, us, to come into the fold. And the end of it is still about their relationship with the Father. The entire world, whether you like it or not, it's centered around Israel. It breathes, moves, and stops on Israel. And the fact that you don't understand a lot of things that is happening over there means that people can tell you whatever they want to tell you. And if it sounds good or if it looks reputable, you'll believe it because you don't know anything else. And it's a shame that somebody else knows more about what's going on than the people that are actually the believers in the whole story. You can see how that's problematic. Now, I waited to the very last minute for the Lord to speak something more amazing to my spirit. Okay? Take this topic and make it amazing. Because that's what we need. I'm tired of teaching on this. I want to preach. I want to preach. I want to get my preaching voice. I just want to just have a great time in the Lord, and the Lord's going to do it, you know? Uh, no, that's not what we're getting. Um, and so here we are yet again, and on my way to church this morning, I just had to surrender to the Father and understand um, that you need to understand. And at the, very, at the very least, you'd be inspired, motivated um, to really walk in what you're supposed to do as a Christian, all right? Because you should definitely use that momentum to be more of a Christian than you ever have been. And if nothing turns of it, then nothing turns of it. But at least you had a taste of being sold out and fired up for the Lord, which a lot of you are not. And what I found uh, in Sister Jewel's testimony is that when you focus on doing what God called you to do in terms of evangelizing and witnessing, your perspective of your day changes. 
So the reason why you can't get your head out of your own bottom is because you're not doing what God has called you to do. And so all you think about is you. Your money, your job, what's going to happen to you next? What are you going to eat next? Where are you going to go next? Some of you thinking about dinner before we even finish the church service. You just got out of bed thinking about how you about to go back to bed. There's not that much sleep needed in the world. But you can't tell your flesh that because your flesh don't want to hear none of this. Right? Because if your flesh hears this, then your soul is going to have to adjust for the time at hand. And that means your flesh is not going to get what it wants. Your flesh likes to think that none of this is going down so they can continue to live life to get whatever it wants. So that's why he wants you to go to sleep. And if you can't fight against that, go to bed. Because you ain't going to be nothing but an open door to all of us. So fall asleep so we'll know who you are. Snore so we'll know that you have no ability to serve or fight in the kingdom of God when stuff gets hot. Just let us know so we won't put that much trust in you and we'll continue to handle you as, as, a, as a case that needs Christ versus one that we're assuming is with us. Do you understand? See, back in the Bible days, in the New Testament, everybody wasn't allowed to be a Christian just because they said, oh, I believe in Jesus. They were, their lives were evaluated and tested before their baptism. So we don't care what you say, we care how you live. And we, your local church, are the ones that judge it. Us. Minister Hudson, myself, Monifa. Yes, we look at it. You can say whatever you want to say. And as compassionate as we are, oh, baby, we understand. Oh, you you fell into sin. Oh, we get it. Mm -hmm, That's what we're supposed to say. But that don't mean you're going to heaven. You're taking our compassion and understanding as a ticket that you actually going to make it in. I ain't got nothing to do with that. <laughs> exactly. Amen? Amen. All right. So um, today what I want us to do is we're going to go to school. Y'all going to go to school. And for some of you that know this, I assure you, you don't know all of it. So here's a refresher course for you. What happened this morning Okay, so late last night, like U.S. And, and, I, and Iran have been in talks, okay? They've been in quiet talks behind doors, all right? And the U.S. has been saying to Iran, we will do what we said we're going to do. Because in the past, it's just a show of force and so that people will calm down and back down. Right. And so the U.S. has been saying, mm-mm, we're going to do it. We will do everything we said we're going to do. To which Iran has been saying, kiss our butt. We don't care nothing about that. See, they got a lot of money. They got a lot of firepower right now. Do you understand? So much so that we had to cut off money that was supposed to be theirs. That's how bad it is. All right? So this morning, uh, well, late last night, the officials of Iran told the officials of the U.S. that if Israel does a ground invasion, Iran will get involved. And if you've been watching the story, Israel is definitely going to do a ground invasion. Now, Israel has 
put forth some force before and back down of a ground invasion. They are not going to back down now because of one main thing. Netanyahu is appearing to be weak. And when the media spins him as weak, he is not going to back down. No. All right. So now you've got this. And he wouldn't back down no way. Ain't no way he's going to back down when you've got 150 plus Israelites and Americans and what we had, uh, uh, Pakistanians, uh, in, I think it's Pakistan, uh, India, has a couple, about 15 in, in their nation um, over there being tortured, held as hostages. You don't see those on your news feed, do you? Nope. But Al Jazeera, who's just got a sanction to shut down their, their news station, which is a prominent Middle East news station because they're revealing the location of Israel's troops. See, if you don't, if you don't follow these, inf these people, then you will never know. So they're going to keep telling you that one thing is happening and it's not the full story. Yes. Do you understand? Okay. So, oh, they're, they're, they're massacring the Palestinians. Yes, they are. But do you see what they're doing to the actual people of Israel? And that's a big deal. All right. So in essence, both parties have been wrong, and we're going to talk about that today and why and where it came from and how it got here. Um, but where we are right now, the flat line of the story is you came to my land and attacked my people, took my people. Uh, that means war. Right. Yeah. right, flat out war. Yeah. All right, you could have bombed us. We, they've been doing bombs back and forth for years. Right. All right, pew, pew, pew. And then Israel's, Israel's Iron Dome kills the, the rocket, so they don't go nowhere. You know, just been doing this forever. Oh, this is not that. No. This is something totally different. That's what the approach is different. So if you haven't been watching the news, for shame, right? But it's okay, because some of y'all don't even have news TV. You, a lot of young people don't even watch TV. If it ain't Netflix, TikTok, Amazon Plus, Disney Plus, Prime, you know, then you won't even watch it. Why don't you just tell the people, you tell me what to think. Go ahead and tell the world, you tell me what to feel. I trust you. That, that's what you should be saying to folk. I told y'all to stop being lazy thinkers, didn't I? Yeah. I did. I tried to warn you. Tried to warn you. Read a book. All right. What's done is done. It's in the past. Now, let's go to school. Go ahead and pass out our worksheets, please. Today's topic, as we continue our Reformation series, we've done Reformation through generations that looked at Israel before the attack. And then we followed that up with last Sunday on Reformation through attachments of people that further began to investigate the attachment of Israel in Exodus and, and Kings 18, 19, and 20 understanding uh, Jesus on the Mount with Elijah and Moses as the point of transfiguration and the stories and the, the narrative of Elijah and Moses and their wilderness experience, knowing that the wilderness experience of both Elijah and Moses are indicative of Christ's wilderness experience, which was in the Middle East. All right, so um, you're getting worksheets right now. You should have one of each. That means you should have two. On Wednesday night, you guys got a prepared list. If you weren't here Wednesday um, to get that preparation list, please see the office. 
they can give you a copy. Um, the reason why we, we talked about a prepared list um, is because if, um, or now it appears when Iran gets involved, depending on the extent of their involvement, uh, America will be going to war. So this morning, um, so this morning, um, uh, Israel actually took their position before I left this morning for their ground invasion. So they're in position, which they're not going to stay in position for long. So within the next couple of hours. What we should know is depending on the involvement of Iran is what we're looking at, okay? Because um, Iran could involve themselves by just sending stuff, or they can involve themselves by involving themselves. All right, we're going to look at that because Iran is, is backing the uh, Hezbollah, which is on the north side. It's, a lot of this is confusing. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. I got you. Okay? I got you. All you got to do is follow my lead. Now, if, you, if you're terrible at that, you're already out, okay? <laughs> I told you. Let me lead you, all right? All right? Follow my lead, and I will get you to a place of understanding, all right? And the Spirit of the Lord will get you to a place of peace, okay? Yes? All right. We'll have questions in this discussion, which is why I tried to expedite everything in service today. Today's topic is Reformation Through Priorities. I know, right? I know. I did not plan this. I did not plan this. But I did try to seek the Lord on something different, something more fun for your personal lives. Um, you know, how to change your priorities, how to stick to your priorities, how to evaluate the priorities of life, but that is not at all. And I, I waited a long time. Um, but that is not at all what I got. But a couple of things. Life can be an uphill struggle sometimes. If you really want to change your life, you need to change your priorities. How do you know that your priorities need to be changed? If you ever accomplished the thing that you were trying to accomplish and found that you didn't feel any better, your priorities are wrong. Yeah, that, that's a good indication. Have you accomplished some of that, did some of that, and you feel like it still was open to do? Um, adhering to your priorities helps the feeling of stress and being overwhelmed. When your priorities are in line, you're able to prioritize effectively, right? You can make decisions, thank you on what should happen and what shouldn't happen. <clears throat> when you don't prioritize, then whatever is immediate becomes the order that you do things, which means, especially if you procrastinate, that your life is always overwhelming. Always, always. Because now what is a priority for you is based off of what is needed right now. And so that keeps changing. So nothing is ever really accomplished because you're always a step behind your own life. Make sense? So procrastination plus not having true priorities set equals a very stressful and overwhelming life. And in some cases, it's probably a reason that leads to depression, discouragement, and sin. All right? So having clear-cut 
priorities and then deciding what you do based off of those priorities helps to reduce the stress, the anxiety, and everybody around you will know what your priorities are when we see how you live. You can't tell me your priority is God when I don't see you here. It's a lot of mouth service. A lot of it, right? You can't tell me your priorities is God when you don't know how to evangelize, nor have you asked me how. It's a lot of lip service. You can't tell me your priorities are God if you don't pray. You can't tell me your priorities are God if you don't read your Bible. Does this make sense? So there's a priority list that you would like people to believe. <laughs> and then there's the actual one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make sense? Because precarious problems are decided by your priorities. That was old. I said that years ago. All right? If you, if you don't know which one to do, based off of your priorities, we'll determine it. Make sense? Okay, cool. So if you have a list of priorities, then you also have to put them in, in order. Number one priority, number two priority. Now I know what everybody gonna say. My number priority is what? Y'all did not say that. I just thought it was gonna be an abundance of answers on that. My number one priority is? God. Oh Lord. Uh, some of y'all are like, I ain't gonna lie in the house of God. I ain't gonna lie, it should be. <laughs> All right. Okay, so let's revamp our priorities. And since the end time is apparently upon us, it behooves us to use this as a time to revamp our priorities. Because the threat of Christ coming back, not being ready, or you dying, or getting stuck here after the rapture is real. So maybe this might be a good time for you to adjust and do an overhaul on your priorities. If you're afraid to do an overall of your priorities, then you're going to really be afraid of what's going to come. You can put your life in some disarray in according to the spirit of the Lord now, or you can let the enemy and all the world forces put your life in disarray. But change is coming, people. That's just a fact. And you're not going to be able to slow it down. The only thing you're going to be able to do is numb yourself. That's it. Just, just drug out every day. Drug out, porn out, swipe out, whatever you got to do, because you can't, you can't handle anything else, because you are ill-prepared. On Wednesday night, when we gave the list of preparation, I said, at the very least, you'll just have extra stuff. But at the most, you will be ready. The goal here is to get what we need before they announce anything that is truly frightening to Americans. Once that happens, similar to COVID, the shelves will be empty. They'll set limits on things. People will be arguing and fighting. There'll be no bread, no milk, blah, 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 blah. Yes? So in true form of how God deals with our church, I said, well, let's go ahead and quietly and calmly start collecting the things that we need, which is why we have the prepared list on, on Wednesday. What I recommend that you do is the inexpensive items, canned goods, dry goods, you get now. All right? toilet paper, right? You get those right away. Anything that's cheap, you get that right now. Anything that is expensive, you put it in a shopping cart like I do on Amazon. And when you hear the news, you click ship. Make sense? Keep your eye on the running total, keep that available, and then hit buy.
Make sense? Then you'll be good to go. Yes? But anything cheap and inexpensive, canned tuna, whatever's on the list, get that now. You go to the grocery store, just get the extra cans of, extra pour more boxes of, of macaroni and cheese. Let me get that. All right? Yes? All right, so that way you're not overwhelmed. All right, let's, let's go to the beginning. All right, understanding the Middle East conflict. Okay, so, in order to understand the Middle East conflict, a story was once told of a crocodile and a scorpion. A scorpion emerged out of the desert and told the crocodile, let me get on your back so we can swim over to the other side. Not the same story, all right? So we can swim over to the same. People at my team was like, mm, the monkey and the, no. It's not that story. Monkey and the fish, no, it's not that. Okay, whatever it was, no. It's similar, okay? But the scorpion told the crocodile, let me get on your back so we can swim over to the other side. And the crocodile said, why would I do that? If I get you on my back, you're going to sting me and then I'm going to drown. And uh, the, uh, the scorpion said, why would I do that? If I sting you when we drown, then I drown too. So the crocodile thought about it, said okay. Got on his back. Halfway through, the scorpion got agitated and stung the crocodile. The crocodile looked back and said, why would you do that? We both going to drown. And he said, this is the Middle East. And that was the end of the story. What is clear about the Middle East is that it's not rational. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's, it's too much religion, um, too much extremist religion, that doesn't, and that extremist religion is used as a weapon, all right, and has been what we're going to look at forever, all right, um, and that means that people are very erratic and irrational when it comes to religions and passions, yes? So it's very hard to predict what's really gonna happen in the Middle East because everybody would think you wouldn't do that because that means everybody gonna go to nuclear war and they go, this is the Middle East. Do you understand? See, it's, it, all the rule books is out, okay? And in some cases, just basic diplomatic conversations don't even work because it is the, all right, right? Even in some, in, in, as it relates to economic sanctions and political sanctions as a, as, a we, as a means of trade, those may not work and they only work in time for them to build enough money to go back to being irrational, <laughs> all right, and erratic. I'm sure they have reasons. What I'm saying is their reasoning is only for their people and it does not go in line with anybody else. Yes? All right, so that's why it's hard to, to compute. Now, um, when it comes to this irrationality, it's primarily because the Middle East was the birthplace of religion, all right? And if you want to know the, the qualm here, is the Middle East, the, uh, no, the Temple Mount, which is um, a, a, a very holy land for all four religions in, in Jerusalem's quarter, all right? But that Temple Mount, which is supposed to be the altar where um, Isaac was offered up as a sacrifice, but the Muslims have built a shrine around it, a black box. That's when you see them on their Meccas going around, all right, in the Middle East. Um, the, the Christians and the Jews believe that Isaac was offered up there, all right, but the Muslims believe that it was Ishmael that was offered up there. 
and that this was the place of Muhammad's uh, ascension to heaven. All right, uh, so that's what the Quran says. So you can imagine that there's now a problem because what's the story of Isaac and Ishmael? Okay, Abraham, the father of the faith, all right, was promised a son, all right? Um, even though they were old, he was 100, she was 99, they had no son. His wife Sarah said, lay with my uh, handmaid in Hagar, and he did. They had a son named Ishmael. He loved the son. The wife couldn't stand it anymore. Sarah said, I can't believe it. I can't live with this boy in Hagar. She acting all snooty in my house like she done did something because she done had a baby for my husband. You have to kick this girl out of my house. And so they, so, so Moses kicked him out, kicked her out with the baby. All right. Then God appeared to Hagar and the baby gave her a well when they thought they were getting ready to die, sent them back to Abraham's house, told Abraham, raise this baby. He will be the father of a great nation. But he is still not, according to Jewish tradition, he's still not the promised son. It is Isaac. Now, then Abraham and Sarah miraculously had Isaac. OK, so then Isaac, the promise went through Isaac. Then as they got older, then they kicked Ishmael and his mom out now that he was older. All right. And so that has been the conflict, um, supposedly, between Muslims and Jews. How you feeling about that? Yeah. Now, why do we think Isaac was the chosen? Because every other story in the Bible and every other narrative talks about how the first that was supposed to be the one that had the covenant wasn't the covenant, but it was the second. It's like quite a few stories like that, even the first one, Cain and Abel. All right, not the first. First was no second. Do you understand? This kept going like that over and over and over again. All right, uh, Jacob and Esau, um, the, uh, the Manasseh twins, I think. I think it was one of them. You know, so it just there's, there's that story of we're not gonna, it's not gonna be the first son, it's going to be the second, or it's going to be the miraculous son that God says has been repeated in many generations. So we feel fairly confident. Uh, of that. And then when you see how the Quran was written, you'll feel even, even more confident. Um, so uh, America's tie with Israel, and I'm going to try to go old and back and forth, back and forth, is because yes, one, that is a strategic location, but also um, there are 6.8 million Jews that live in America. America has the largest population of Jews outside of Israel. And I think we probably even beat Israel, uh, to be honest. I don't know what the last numbers were. Um, so that's why they call America the little Israel, or if you don't like us, the little devil. All right. <clears throat> okay. What else do I think you need to know? All right. Uh, a lot. This also means because of their population, a large portion of the media is owned by Israel. A large portion of companies are owned by Israel. Um, politically, they're hugely involved. They have a ton of money. Um, they're able to support a lot of lobbyists in Congress. They're just a powerhouse in America. Um, and from this morning, um, most of America is in line with supporting Israel as of this morning. You can't tell with these Palestinian protests, huh? No, cannot. It's hard. <clears throat> okay, so the Northern Kingdom of Israel all right, became a regional power under King Omri. Do you remember him? Okay, we just looked at this. King Omri was the father of King Ahab, who married Jezebel. 
We just talked about that. Okay. So that was pretty much when the, the uh, Israel began to kind of start losing its grip on its tribes. All right. That uh, turnover with Ahab, then, you know, then it was the Assyrians and the Babylonians, which let's, let's look at this. Initially with King Ahab and um, around the time of the division between Israel and Judah, where Judah had two tribes and Israel had 10, I believe I got that right. Yeah. Um, the north and the south, um, it was kind of along this area here. Maybe right about here. All right. That, that was kind of the line. So back then, it was kind of divided. Judah at the south, Israel at the north. Okay. Um, and that division was problematic because now they're divided. Um, and that's also because of... King Ahab, when he died, then it was a power struggle. Uh, the captain wanted to run it, and he wasn't truly a blood blood lineage of the. And so, and then we didn't. He didn't want to lose his power, so he built temples near in the north, so people didn't have to go to the south. In essence, they divided because King Ahab. It was going in wonderful succession, these kings, until this point. All right. Um, you know, Israel went from uh, a group of 12 sons to a whole nation, right, in, in, in Egypt. Then they were let go out of Egypt. This is just to help kind of bring everybody up to speed, all right? And then they were in the wilderness. When they left the wilderness, the first generation that were 40 and under died, um, uh, Joshua and Caleb. And the new generation were able to go over to the promised land, which is Canaan. So that would be, <clears throat> that would be like doing this. Let me see if I can kind of sketch it out for you. You don't have to draw this, but just to kind of give you an understanding, it would kind of be like doing this, the wilderness, and then we're going to do this. All right. So that was kind of the route. Um, so as they crossed over the Jordan to go into their promised land, they began to settle on the promised land, conquer new lands, take the land. Now, the, the goal of Israel was to go to nations that already existed, show them the power of the one true living God. Hopefully they will assimilate to becoming Jewish, you know, uh, uh, following uh, this God. If not, kill them. All right. And that was a mandate that God gave. The initial goal was to missionize the rest of the world, all right? But when they didn't comply, they didn't want to serve, God said, get rid of them, all right? So that's pretty much how that went. Once they got their land and pretty much had everything going, then they were used, they used judges that will help, prophets, excuse me, that will help lead and guide and direct them, all right? Then prophets added judges that would also help to lead God and direct all right. Then after the judges, they wanted kings because every other nation had kings. All right. So all the kings was working well until this Ahab situation. It's just, you know, king after king after king after king. And then the Ahab situation, it king starts splitting. The nation started splitting. It became political. OK, so this was pretty much the last Jewish king was King Ahab. After that, it's been two separate kings on the north and the south. All right. Okay, what else do you need to know? Um, because of this separation that grew uh, synagogues, all right, um, under the Babylonian rule, 
the Jews were dispersed, which we're going to get to in a second. Um, but that's when synagogues came to play because we can't go to the temple and sacrifice. So we make little churches where we could at least try to keep our traditions and our prayers together. Yeah. All right. So that's how that happened. If you're, if you're wondering, um, <clears throat> so uh, eventually the parts of Israel one by one were conquered by the Greeks and then the Greeks uh, were conquered by the Romans, right? And then the Romans um, had it for a, a very, very long time, yes? Um, and then somewhere, uh, King Alexander, yeah, skip that forward, forward, forward. The destruction of the second temple, all right. Somewhere around uh, 212. Okay, so once the Jewish divide happened between the north and the south, Rome takes over the Middle East. Okay, the Jews revolt and Jerusalem is destroyed, and that happened in, in, Christians, in, in Christ's day. That was the one that Christ said this temple will be torn down in three days. Yeah. That was that fulfilled. Okay, so the second temple that was built, that was two. All right. The second one was the one of Jesus's day. That one came tumbling down by the Roman Empire. Yes. And then at that point, the growth of Christianity really happened. OK, because Christ had already ascended by then. That's A.D. 70. All right. Christ had ascended. The disciples are out here spreading Christianity. You with me so far? OK, so that was going good. All right. Um, primarily because. Israel was now dispersed, all right? Once the temple was conquered by Rome, they just started kicking Israelites. They were running, fleeing, everybody was leaving. So um, they began to live a life of exile and that's, that's huge. Um, okay, so how do we get to um, Islam? Well, um, to give you a short understanding of Islam, um, Islam's founder is supposed to be a prophet named Muhammad, all right? And he was an orphan for the most part, um, but he had an experience in the wilderness and he began to hear as a prophet um, the words of the Quran, but he couldn't read or write. I believe it was his aunt, Khadija, that actually married him. Um, and as he was under these spiritual trances, she would interpret what he was saying, and then that became the teachings of the Quran. The prophet will go under these spiritual trances. He will begin speaking in tongues. Khadija was the one that said she could interpret what it meant, and she began to interpret it and write it down since he couldn't read or write. Yes? And that became the teachings of the Quran. All right? Completely different than how the Bible was compiled. And, and not only that, but the Jews began to multiply in the land that we now call Palestine. All right. In that area, they began to grow. No matter where you sent them, they were growing. All right. And so as that began to happen, Muhammad, as his religion began to grow, there became he tried to get Islam to bring other nations together like Syria. I mean, they're not called Syria then, but then, right. Tried to really get them together. It was a no-go. People started trying to assassinate him. He fled, ran under the cover of some Jewish uh, uh, settlements and tried to get the Jews. The Jews were like, okay, 
We all believe in the one God. And, and he, the more he talked that he was a prophet, it was like, you are no prophet. You ain't a prophet. And so they began to reject him and distance themselves from Muhammad. When that happened, you literally see the teachings of the Quran go from in support of the Jews to now against the Jews. Hmm? He even shifted in the Quran the direction of the prayers from Jerusalem to Mecca. So when people are like, no, it's all the same, it is not the same. The Quran and the Bible, they, they, they both, no, they're not, they're not. The Quran's not even on our level. Not hardly. Do you understand? We got, what, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of generations written on three different continents from poor people, rich people, educated people, non-educated people, all of the stories telling the same story, pointing to the same end. No, they're not the same. Yes? Okay. All righty. So Islam, Jews, and we don't want you, go away. All right. <laughs> After the Jews rejected uh, Muhammad's teachings, their relationship to him and followers changed for the worse. Muslim armies conquered the Middle East, uh, north of Africa and Spain. Uh, the early centuries of the empire ruled by Damascus. Uh, then you start getting to, to the Umayyads and the Fatimids, uh, and it starts getting really crazy. All right. In essence, Islam began to grow and acquire more land and more believers. Similarly, uh, the Jews began to grow, all right? And at that point was the birth of what we call Zionists. Now that word is important, all right? Because when we're looking at the conflict here, current day, <laughs> sing it baby, all right? When we're looking at the conflict here, it is regarding uh, those that are Zionists, in the Jewish culture and those that are not. Now, Zionists for the most part means we believe, and there are different types of Zionists, but we believe that Israel is the promised land, all right, the location, and we need to be here, and everybody needs to come back here. So Zionists has a very strong belief um, in, in who they are and going back to the land. Now the difference between Zionists who say, we want to be Israel, we want to be our own nation. And the Palestinians, the Muslims, say they want to be their own nation. The difference is the Palestinians could be their own nation anywhere, which they are. They're not delegated to one specific piece of land. Israel and the Zionists, they say, no, it's us and this land at this spot. So th those are the two differences. Does that make sense? Yeah both religiously and national. All right, is it getting exciting? Are you getting some of your questions answered? Yeah, you gotta, no? Yeah, yeah, you can ask questions. I said we can ask questions because I'm not gonna be able to do this without, go ahead. And I'm afraid if I try to do it on a discipleship night, y'all not gonna come. And if I do it on a Wednesday, you not gonna come. And now half my church is going in one direction, the other half is going in the other direction. All right, go ahead, what was your question? Uh, Taylor and then Shahida. Okay, so Israel, for the most part, back in Deuteronomy, all right, um, and some of the judges in 1 Kings and 2 Kings, duh, all right, uh, they were one nation until they got to King Ahab with Jezebel. Okay, when Jezebel and Ahab got together, after Ahab died, um, the person that came in line next was a, a captain in his army, and 
some of the Israelites were like, no, you need to take Jezebel's grandson. And they were like, uh-uh. And so they split. Then you, that's when you start hearing the names Jeroboam and Roaboam and all. They, the names start, that's that time in your Bible, okay? So then they split between 10 tribes in the north and two tribes, Judah, in the south. There's 12 tribes total. 10 up north, two in the south. Israel is considered up north. Judah is considered in the south. And that's how you tell the difference. Judah, south, with two. Yeah? Does that help? All right, all right. Shahida and then Gabby. Okay, that's a great question. So pretty much Palestine could be anywhere they want to be, okay? This entire section, all any of this, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, just, I'm just trying to answer her question. I'm going to go back, okay? Any of this, okay? Iraq, Baghdad, um, Saudi Arabia, Syria, Lebanon, all right? Heavy Muslim, heavy Palestinian, okay? But remember, Palestinians say, we're not in one land. We could be in any land we want to be, okay? Make sense? Okay, cool. Now let's go back to your Israel map and let's start filling in some of your, your stuff modern day. All righty. So this is from last week. Okay, you got that Golan Heights. All right, all right, up there. You see that? All right, all right. Golan Heights is important because that was Manasseh. I see your hand, Gabby, I'm sorry. That was Manasseh. Remember the tribe Manasseh was separated into two because they were good fighters and they was like, we in our land, we good. They was like, uh-uh, take that land, but then come and help us fight. So they had one on both sides, which is perfect because Golan Heights, that land, sits high. So Israel could always see when their enemies are coming all around, right? So that's why that is hot territory. Right now, it is Palestinian. But two weeks ago, I said, keep your eye on that because if there's a, a war in this northern space, if Lebanon crosses over, then the world is probably going to go to war. All right. And that, has, that, is, that is the second. Remember I said, if I was Israel's enemies, when they are politically divided now, current day, and they're fighting a war over here, right? And I wanted to destroy them, I would get them to fight on two fronts. But technically it's three. Do you see that? Here, here, and there, all right? Or some people call it, and even it's West Bank, but the West Bank is not as big, okay? So since they're surrounded by their enemies, because everybody over here <laughs> and out is Palestinian. Right? So that's why I said I'm no prophet. I could just tell you it's inevitable if you understand how much people actually hate Israel. All right? So that was going to happen. All right? To what extent? We're still waiting to see. We'll know in a couple of weeks. Either things are going to escalate or de-escalate. So in the meantime, get your little goods together. All right? And just keep watching. That way you'll have stuff before you have to go fighting people for stuff. Yeah? All right. And why am I saying this? Okay. Because our economy is already down. All right. And America no longer is considered. We, we are. Our, our long bonds are in the negative, And that's never happened. 
Does anybody know what that, when you understand what I'm saying, let me, let's talk about that because it's the financial portion. Long bonds are when you buy a bond, you're saying, I will let America, the government, borrow my money in exchange that at a certain end date, 10, 5, you know, you're going to give me back more money. That's what happens when you buy a bond. Well, the long bonds, 20, 30 years, all right, those are in the negative. They have never been in the negative. They've been low in the 90s, you know, but never in the negative. When the bonds are in the long-term bonds are in the negative, what they're saying is, we don't believe America's gonna do well financially long-term. And the reason that has happened is because there are four anchors to our economy. Y'all wanna know that? Oh. All the anchors is down, all right, all right. Political unrest and division, check. Can't count that. Like, they're stable politically, we're not stable politically. They're stable in their labor market, we're not stable in our labor market. They're stable in their consumer market, the CPI, we're not stable in our consumer market. And we're not stable now um, as in terms of a world power. So this, all of our anchors that say we're going to always be rich and on top, they be like, mm-mm. Okay? So that is problematic because... Food prices went up and money went down. So I'm saying get dry goods so you don't have to fight anybody. Because if this happens, it's going to get real in these streets. Okay? Now, if I'm wrong, then we just got a lot of extra canned goods. We're going to have ourselves a wonderful Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> well, we eating beans. We're eating carrots. <laughs> All right? Okay. Gabby, you had your question. Okay, the, the Zionists were united in their attachment to Palestine, whereas the Arabs were divided um, by competing interests of different leaders. Okay, so it's like everything's Palestinian, and the Arabs are like, uh uh, <laughs> this not, <laughs> this, this us. <laughs> All right, yes? Okay, no independent Arab or Palestinian state ever existed in Palestine. Okay. In fact, Palestine never explicitly mentioned in the Quran um, the area of Palestine. He just calls it the whole, a holy land. Okay. But in, in Israel, it is, it is a definite, for Jews, it's a definite location because our entire Bible says. Now, one of the arguments is that once that the covenant, the Abrahamic covenant um, was conditional. And since the argument is since Israel didn't live up to their conditions, the Abrahamic covenant doesn't hold anymore. However, all right, there's another belief that in Deuteronomy around the latter chapter, there was a um, Palestinian covenant, given you want to know the chapter. Yeah. Took me a while to find that. <laughs> but I've got it for you. The Palestinian covenant around Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 1 through 10, all right, it's significant because this was God reinstating even after the fact that y'all messed up when I brought you out, you was acting like some fools, that I'm still giving this land to you. And so there's a new declaration of the land, that Palestinian land as a location is still given back to Israel even though they didn't keep their part of the, 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 the agreement with God, uh, Shamar and then Gabby. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 1 through 10. Uh, Gabby, then Monifa. Okay, remember, ha, ha, 
This will help you remember this. It's good that you ask questions. Okay. This area, all of this area is considered Palestine because all of this area was originally biblically the um, Philistines. All right was originally the Philistines. So when we talk about David and cross, this was where they were crossing over to fight the giants, which were the Philistines. So this, all this area is the land of the, the, the Philistines, which is Palestine. That'll help you remember that. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Good questions. Monifa, you would want to clarify that? Okay. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. And, but more specifically, we're fighting Iran, which is not on this, is, is behind these two, <laughs> okay? It's, it's, Iran is the powerhouse here, okay? They have the money, they have the weapons. Iran is, was allowed to keep their nuclear weapons, okay? And that's the big deal. The rest of these other ones, no. They had to give up any progress, because even Saudi Arabia, had some, and then I think the, the, the before uh, Israel became, maybe the 30s or so, before Israel became an independent country, um, they, they made a deal where they were fight with the British, which we're gonna get to next, um, but they attacked Egypt before the British were ready. But if they didn't do that, they, they actually destroyed the nuclear weapons and the, the um, bio, biological weapons that Egypt had. So if, Egypt, if they didn't do it, then by the time we actually fought in our World War I or so, we would have lost. We would have lost big time. Minister Hudson. I'm getting confused, yeah. See, the problem with social media is they win, even if the information isn't correct. You see thousands upon thousands of people protesting to free Palestine. Palestine was free. Gaza was given to the Palestinians, okay? They were like, let them be free. Uh, there's a whole nation of thousands, I think of in France, who's like, free Palestine, they need to be all independent. Yeah. They were, they gave this, the reason this land is here is because the Israelites, Israel gave it yeah. to the Palestinians. All right, free handover. Now the issue here is they're considered that area to be a pretty much an open jail because every last one of the ports and the entrances to get in and out it's owned by Israel. The airspace is owned by Israel. The docks, this area over here is owned by Israel. And the one that is shared by Egypt, it is shared with Israel and Egypt. All right, one second, let me finish that, that train of thought. All right, um, so the issue here is that they're saying, well, you don't let us out, and that's true. All right, Israel did not let the Palestinians out to go do stuff, like they had nothing to do. They would go to school, get college tuition, get scholarships, and they were like, you ain't leaving here. You're not cutting through our country. That's not getting ready to happen. And so they would close the borders. Now this is primarily because they were always shooting back and forth. There was never a, a time where the Gaza Strip weren't firing rockets over in Israel. Not a time. It's just we don't see it because their defense system is so good that it's just like pew, 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 you know, and that's it, okay? So Gaza was already given to the Palestinians. The issue here is when the Hamas, which is, is embedded in this area, which is an extreme group of the Palestinians, an extreme group of, 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 of Islam, 
They say in their um, article, I think Article 13 of their constitution, that they their purpose is to wipe out every Jew from the face of the earth. And they never changed it. All right. So that's the Hamas in this area here. All right. The Hezbollah say the same thing up in this area here. Okay. Iran, the Palestinian government, which is everywhere in that area. All right. They support and back the extremists of these Islamic sects and use them. Okay, the issue with the Gaza Strip is like, think about these Islamist sects, the Hezbollah, um, the, the uh, Hamas, uh, ISIS, all right, the Taliban. Think about it like this. This is Palestine and Iran's thug. They look political and nice and we want peace and you know, that's the, that's the front, but we want stuff done, we're gonna fund it to these people. It ain't us, it's these extremists. It's these religious extremists. Well, it's these, we got to do some of these religious. But the Palestinian government could just denounce any activity, and the whole thing was shut down. The situation with the Hamas, and if you look at the Philistines, they've always been known to sacrifice children to false gods, biblically, forever. All right. Okay, so now when the Hamas, like a couple years ago in the 90s, the U.S. discovered, and the Israel discovered, that they build their headquarters under the largest hospital in Gaza City because they feel that Israel will not attack the hospital, and they didn't. That year, that, 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 that fight, they didn't attack the hospital. That same hospital now has 30, that's the hospital say, it's 35,000 people. How, how and most people are fleeing the north, as, as Israel told them to, and hiding in the hospital. But the Hamas headquarters has been under the hospital, a couple hundred feet below the basement, all right? They have a whole bunch of tunnels, all right? They're known to sacrifice children, all right? Even biblically, they've been doing this. All right, um, so to see children shot, all right, babies taken as hostages at nine months, that's, and then they take, they video record the baby. And you don't see this on your feed because you don't follow the same, the right amount of news, okay? So the parents have to see, you're gonna start seeing more of it as Israel has to get their narrative out. It's always a battle of stories. All right, so the first people that got their stuff out was the Palestinians. Why? Because Israel's trying to get their folks. They can't be sending videos about what they're trying to do. All right, so you see all these Palestinian babies dying and, and they're all running in the hospital and, and the babies, oh my God, it's so terrible, which is true. It's very bad. But if you were a mom and somebody came to your house, stole your baby out of your house and held them hostage, you're gonna be like, no, save, save the Palestinians. Uh-uh, if, if, if you don't turn them over, you can just turn them over. You can say, here they go. <laughs> so they hide in places because Israel does try to obey some of the rules of war. So right now, Israel really has to go fast. In my personal opinion, Israel has to go fast. The longer they delay, the more they're going to lose the sympathy of the people. Do you understand? 
So like, oh, Israel, got these, got these babies over there. Now people are like, uh-uh, you're killing everybody. Uh-uh, see, now then the whole, it all turns. Make sense? We don't want that to happen. Yes, Danny. Yeah, the Israel, Israel's gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna beef it up a little bit. Uh, but it doesn't matter. America's not backing down. I don't care what the, I don't care what the social media say. At the end of the day, who's gonna write the history? Okay, so let's go forward. All right, so Israel kept trying to grow as Zionists. They wanted their own independent nation. The Palestinians wanted to be identified as a as, a, as an independent nation. Um, the British got into war with the Turks. All right, and they promised Israel that we will identify you as an independent nation if you fight the Turks with us. And then um, they lied. And after World War I, it was clear that the British was making conflicting promises to Israel and to the Palestinians. So that really soured the waters. Okay? Yes? Okay. All right. So the fight keeps going. Um, on January 9th, uh, 1948, um, a thousand Arabs attacked the Jewish communities in northern Palestine. Um, uh, by February, the British Army said to the Ar Arabs and uh, infiltrate that infiltrated that they wouldn't allow Israel to have weapons to defend themselves, and they kept using trade and politics to tell Arab, the, the Israel that they couldn't defend themselves. And what the Palestinian countries began to do was to raid, all right, trade lines, all right? So raids would happen consistently in the Middle East. But the UN and the British government at the time, not really the UN, would say, no, just, we're not gonna give you enough arms to defend that. Does that make sense? So it really caused tension between between the U.S., I mean, between the British and Israel. That tension pretty much ceased, and I'm skipping, I mean, decades of, of years here, all right? But that tension really began to calm where British, the British are now a support of Israel, primarily on the fight for the Suez Canal, all right? And Israel pretty much took Saudi Arabia, all right? And thereby helped the British have the Suez Canal. So, you know, we like the Suez, they like the Suez. Now we all good. All right? Yes, Gabby. No, none really. Yeah, same, same. All right. Um, the Palestinians are known because they speak Arabic. Okay. And they're all united because they spoke Arabic um, for the most part. Okay, so the imperial powers to influence the events in the Middle East um, was weakening. Um, but individual countries became increasingly independent. King Abdullah of the Transjordan, you remember that name, annexed from the West Bank and the old city of Jerusalem. He was assassinated and his grandson, Hussein, succeeded him. Okay. Israel lost a friend in the White House um, with Nasir and Truman. There's some dirty deals going on there. Um, and it, it, didn't, it didn't go well. All right. Okay, sometime around the 60s, an armistice agreement um, after the 1948 war, all right, which was the war where Israel said that they are now declaring, declaring themselves independent as an independent nation. Some of these treaties uh, were ex didn't, they didn't lead to a peace treaty because Nasir, or Nasser, uh, and the Arabs were spoiling uh, the fight. So 
Israel began to want more peace treaties. Everybody wanted to get in the financial game, all right, to build wealth. Um, but if they couldn't establish peace, then they wouldn't allow them to get into the trade. And that has been going on. That's pretty much forever. That's the whole modern political economy tension. You have to declare peace with these people, all right, in order if you want to trade, all right? And so they're back, they're underhand deals, they're uh, treaties being made, agreements, all kind of stuff. Some of them work, some of them don't work. Now what's happening, us, now let's go forward to where we are. Now, okay. All right. Um, so where we are now is, is key because the same system is happening. Israel wants, well, they pretty much open trade in the Middle East, and Saudi Arabia wants to trade more. Uh, Saudi Arabia wanted to try to have a peace deal between Israel and the Palestinian government, and it looked like it was going to go well. The Palestinian government, um, which is separate from Egypt, didn't really want that deal because their forefather had made another deal where Israel didn't get the land. And they're like, uh, no. <laughs> we want the original deal that we'll stop fighting with them, but they can't have that land. All right. But in the Saudi Arabian deal, Israel gets the land and they just agree to have peace. I mean, they already have the land, but they're saying, we'll say yes, there's peace. Now, everybody can make a ton of money. And right before that was getting ready to happen, Israel had problems with Netanyahu. Um, he had five elections. He lost four, won the last one. Okay, and then he wanted to revamp the judicial system in Israel in order to keep him in power. People don't like that. Um, so when you hear the, the uh, social media saying, oh, they need to fire Netanyahu, um, number one, we know that's dumb. You never fire your, your president or your prime minister in the middle of a war. So anybody that's posting this stuff is just doing it for clicks. They're just doing it to, to cause conflict because no nation in their right mind would ever remove a king in the middle of a war when you were attacked. That's just not going to happen. So the idea that they're doing this is problematic. Yeah? So you just have to know the kind of propaganda is the word I'm looking for. The, kind of, the, kind of, the difference between the propaganda and the truth. All right. And so my goal is to give you enough information because the propaganda will get thicker. All right. So that you'll understand and be able to make your own decisions. OK, uh, Danny. Yes, because um, the Jews, <laughs> Israel has said we are wiping out Hamas. And they're using propaganda to say that Israel said we're going to wipe out all the Palestinians. It's, it's not an actual narrative, okay? So we're just gonna wipe out all of Hamas. Now the reason why they say it's ethnic cleansing is because Hamas is a religious sect, which means even if you kill everybody in the Gaza Strip related to the Hamas, all somebody has to do is believe in the same religious sect as the Hamas, and there it is over there again, okay? So people are saying, we know you cannot kill Hamas. So in essence, you just want to kill everybody. And they're like, no, we want to kill these Hamas. <laughs> and let it forever be known, you know what I mean? Netanyahu said, we're trying to make sure you know. Don't, to all of our enemies, don't ever do this again. He has something to prove, all right? 
He has to tell every enemy that surrounds them and they all surround them, don't try us again. He's got to prove it. If not, they're going to get wiped out. They're going to get wiped out. So now you can understand how a ground invasion is pretty much inevitable, which means when you leave church, you should probably go to the grocery store, go to Sam's, go to Costco, quit selling your ebbets and use them. Use them for the food. Okay, so why is this so significant? From two weeks ago, if you were not here for that service, we stated that this war for Israel to occupy their land is important. Where's my pencil? Because of this little spot right here. Jerusalem. Right now, Jerusalem is kind of neutral. Okay, the capital of Israel is neutral. All right, so that is, that's why, okay? Because according to scripture, no matter, which we're going to look at, no matter what your belief is, the reason why this is significant, if you weren't here a couple weeks ago, is because no matter what your eschatological view, that means how the world is going to end, no matter that view, biblically, Jesus is still going to come back and reign, Okay? And when he reigns, according to the Bible, he is going to reign in Jerusalem. In order for him to reign in Jerusalem, Israel has to have all parts of Jerusalem. All right? That's, that's key. That's why when we looked at Israel and they have 60% occupied, we could say before the war started, ooh, it's getting thick out there. All right? 80, 90%, you're done. And even though it have to be 90%, if they take all of Jerusalem and get, the West, get rid of the West Bank, get rid of the Gaza Strip, take that Golan Heights, it's set. Now Israel, the land, and the political government is set for Christ to return. It's that simple, right? Okay, there are a lot of things that need to, you need to know before we get to there. <laughs> okay? All right. Eschatological views, the book of Revelation, how it's going in. Let's study this. Okay? To some of you, this is a review. To some of you, it is not. (laughs) It is recorded. Book of Revelation. Okay, I can't do the whole series again, but I can give you the highlights. All right? It's on Podbean. I don't know which one it is. Maybe the kingdom of Satan, maybe... The Revelation, it is Revelation. Okay. All right. On Podbean, it's the series on Revelation. In order to understand the book of Revelation, you got to understand Matthew 25 and the book of Daniel. All right. Those two together. But let's just go over some basics. All right. In order, signs that, that precede Christ's return. Let's talk about those. Okay. Now, first of all, there are a whole bunch of scriptures that say his return is unexpected. Matthew 24, 40. 42 through 44, verse 50, and that's in Matthew chapter 24, Mark chapter 13, verse Thessalonians, 45 and 2, and there are a ton more, but to me, those are the heavy hitters. Four and five. Four and five. I'm sorry. <laughs> First Thessalonians, yeah. First Thessalonians, chapter four and chapter five. Okay. 
Sorry about that, guys. Yeah, I was like, um, 45? Ain't no 45, Pastor. Okay. <laughs> but Thessalonians wasn't that big. <laughs> So those are unexpected. Those are the scriptures and a ton more that say when he returns, nobody will know the day or the hour. It is not to be known. He will come like a thief in the night. Okay, but then there are other scriptures that say you need to look for these signs when he does return. Okay, I want to show you the scriptures and the signs. Okay, and then I'm going to show you the ways that people try to reconcile that. Let me say it again. There are scriptures that say you don't know the day or the hour. He can come like a thief in the middle of the night. You don't tell nobody when he's coming. And then there's other scriptures that say, you need to watch the signs because these signs have to be done. And when they're done, then he's soon to return. So that seems like they can conflict. So first I'm going to give you the signs. Then I'm going to show you theologically how you can make those two things not contradictory. Okay? All right. So some of the signs um, that precede Christ's return. The preaching of the gospel to all nations. Mark 13 and 10. Um, the preaching to the of the gospel to all nations, Mark 13 and 10. The great tribulation, Mark 13 and 7. Luke 21 and 20. False prophets working signs and wonders, Mark 13, 22. Signs in the heavens, Mark 13, 24 and 25, and Luke 21. 25 through 27, the coming of the man of sin and the rebellion, 1 John 2 and 18, the salvation of Israel, Romans 11 and 12, Romans 11 and 25, okay, okay, so there are a couple of possible solutions, do we, are we supposed to be looking at signs? Is, is, is we supposed to be paying attention or is we not? Is it going to be like a thief in the night? So there's some possible solutions. I'm not going to go through all the possible ones because some of them don't even make, they're not even, they negate words of the Bible. So we're not going to do those. I'm going to tell you some of the major solutions that are very probable. The first is that Christ comes twice. One way to reconcile the idea that you look for signs and he comes at a thief, as a thief in the night is to say that he comes twice. The New Testament talks about two different or distinct returns of Christ or two second comings of Christ. Um, that is a seek one that is a secret at the coming of Christ and takes the Christians out of the world. And uh, then after seven years of tribulation, occur I'm, I'm going to go back. Don't worry about that. Just know that there are two. Okay. All right. The other possible solution um, is to say that all the signs have been fulfilled and therefore Christ could come at any moment. Because you can look at some of the stuff and be like, well, technically, the destruction of the temple, that happened. Te you can kind of go in and kind of say, for interpretive purposes, all the signs have been done. There are people that have been false prophets. They were false prophets in the first part of the church, right? The first century of the church that proclaimed to be Jesus, all right? Um, so you could kind of go in and say all the signs have been fulfilled. But there are some that are stretched because signs in the heavens like the stars fall and the sun darken those signs were also the same quote that says Jesus is coming from the heavens with a cloud which is literal do you understand so in order to say that all signs are done then you would have to make the signs in the heavens allegorical but in context it was literal yes um and uh 
yeah, that's pretty much the only um, possible two. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to skip all those. All right, yeah, we're going to talk about that right now. There are some major points of the book of Revelation, major things that happen, that no matter how you interpret it, these major things happen, okay? The first is called, now my handwriting is going to be terrible, but don't, <laughs> shut up, Janiyah, is millennium, the millennial reign, all right? Um, <laughs> I before E, after C, I don't, I don't know. All right, number two, <laughs> church age. Number three, Christ's return. Number four, resurrection of believers. And this can be two separate ones or together and unbelievers. All right, we're going to look at that in a minute. Five, judgment. Six, new heaven, new earth. Okay, let's get into it. Okay, all right. So, one explanation, all right, of how the ends are. These are the major views, okay, that are supported in scripture. The first is amillennialism. It's millennialism with an A in front. The A means no. It means absent. Okay. So what is the millennial? The millennium is the point where Christ reigned for a thousand years. The millennial reign is the scriptures that say that Christ is going to come back to the earth and sit in Jerusalem and reign the entire earth for a thousand years. Literal. All right. And after that, people are going to be like, we don't like you ruling over us. They're going to all get together and try to go after his kingdom. All right. All right. Church age is the age we're in now. The church age is the age that we're living in now where Christ has ascended to heaven and has dispersed himself by his spirit to all of us as the body of Christ. And he is the head. This is the church age, which is why you go to church. Okay. Uh, the fourth is the resurrection of believers and unbelievers. Some of the views separate those two resurrections. Some of them put them together. All right. This is when the Bible says, and the dead in Christ will rise. That sounds familiar? Okay. That's that kind of stuff. Then there's judgment. All right. Plenty of scriptures talk about how we're all going to stand in front. How we're all going to stand in front of the Father and be judged for the things we do and the things we don't do right. Yes. God makes a whole new heaven and a new earth. All right. So amillennialism, amillennialism means the absence of the millennial, which means it is a belief that says there is no particular thousand years that Christ reigns because they, huh? Huh? The amillennialism, right, is the belief that there is no millennial reign where Christ comes back and reigns because they say it's already happening right now, that his reigning is spiritual and that he is reigning through us spiritually. This is why some of the evangelicals are so extreme because they feel it's our responsibility to rule and reign in the earth as Christ gives us power to fulfill his reign. That's where that concept comes from. Okay, so our millennialism looks like this. 
Okay, what we're drawing right now, thank you, Minister Moody, it was a great question. What we're drawing right now is out of those six lists of major events, there are views as to when these major events happen. So we're going to draw out each one of those views because we don't, none of us know which one it's going to be. Yes? Okay. You get it now? Because as Israel takes Jerusalem fully, one of these bad boys is going to be it. Are you with me? So even if it's not in our day, it might be in your children's day, the one sitting here now. Yes? But hopefully we'll all be gone and raptured up, which we're going to look at in just a minute. All right. So we got the church age. All right. And there's no millennial reign. None. So this is technically the only one, no rain. They believe according to, okay, what they interpret in scripture, that after that, the church age, which is now, Christ comes down, this is a throne, and reigns. So Christ comes down, now this is important, okay, comes down at this point. At the same time, there's a resurrection of believers and non. Then there's judgment. And then new heaven, new earth. Yep. Yep. And then eternal state. Okay. Our millennialism. There is no millennial reign. We are in it in the church age. Christ is ruling everybody through us. So as Christians, we are responsible because we are the head and not the tail. We are above and never beneath. We are the ones that are going to dictate all the rules. Commandments need to be happening because we are ruling. That's why there are so many evangelicals pushing in that direction. No abortion, no this, no that. And it is our responsibility to make sure this nation and the rest of the world runs like that. That's where that concept comes from. Questions? Shahida and Shamar. This is a great question. If anyone has ever taken these classes with me before, I do not tell you which one is right or wrong because we hold them loosely. And no one should hold their opinion tight, okay? Because you could be very much so wrong. So we hold them loosely, all right? Toward the end of our conversation, I will show you which one this church sways towards because that's the one I sway towards, and that's typically which way the church goes, all right? But ultimately, we'll know. But I want you to know all four so that you could watch. Does that make sense? And that your children will know how to watch. And if you don't get the rapture because you kept fooling around and you get stuck here, you'll know. And you'll have your notes because the internet is going to be scrubbed to all this information. All right. I should be writing it down. <laughs> All right. You got it? Next one, post-millennialism. Post, which means what? After. Post-millennial. So off the top, we know that this means after the rain. What is after the rain? when Christ comes back. Remember, this is all about when is Christ coming? When is Christ coming? When is Christ coming? So if you don't want to get them confused, 
Ah means no millennial reign. Christ will come without a millennial reign because it's already happening. Post-millennialism means Christ will come after post the millennial reign. All right, then we got Christ coming down. Yes. Boom. Boom. Yes. And then they believe resurrection of believers and non. I'm just going to abbreviate. I'm getting tired of writing all this. Judgment and new heaven. Again, happen all at the same time. Okay? So the post-millennialism says that there's going to be a point where we're going to reign in the church age, again, by his spirit, all right, and that we will ascend politically as Christians and Jews to the, through the throne of reigning, all right? This is important if you're a Zionist because this might reflect you running the world, all right? Then Christ will come and the, those that are dead will raise, all right? Then they'll be judged and then boom, new heaven, new earth, we're living for eternity. Yes? How you doing? Better, better, better. Okay. Premil yes. Uh, this is church age millennial. So no rain is like, now they're saying the Christians and Jews will, will rise will in, in politics and prestige to rule and to reign. Yes, like from Israel, from Jerusalem, right? And then he'll come back and then he'll reign. But he's not really reigning because he's gonna do the judgment, raise everybody from the dead, I mean, raise everybody from the dead, do the judgment, and then new heaven, new earth. Listen, I didn't, this is their view, okay? I, I'm not here to substantiate it. Huh? Yes, the larger portion of the, pop, of the world's population becomes Christian in this view, all right? And we reign as Christians for a thousand years or so. That's what the millennial means, all right? Any other questions on that? No, yes? Is it a question? I cannot tell. Yes. It's in the millennial square. You could put church age right in here. Voila, yes. Uh-huh. In, in, in the first, in our millennialism, it's not really we believe he's going to reign. It's just we're here. We're the church. Nobody's really reigning anything. We're just doing it as we, as we, as we go. I might have made that a little confusing. I'm sorry. In our millennialism, nobody's really leading anything. It's just pretty much church age. Okay, and post-millennialism, we as the believers, most of the world becomes Christian, and because of that, the Christians rule the world. <laughs> that don't even sound like something. It's gonna be possible. <laughs> like, mm -mm, people don't like us. All right, yes. <laughs> on this one, on post, yes, he is here literally. 
he comes literally at that point once everybody becomes Christian. He's like, oh, you've gotten the world ready for me to reign. <laughs> Yay, now I'm going to come down and judge everybody. All right, that's that view. All right. All right, now the next couple of ones get a little bit more complicated. So are there any more questions on this? Okay. Yes. Uh-huh. Y- yes. Yes. Y- yes. Um, we haven't we haven't had any views that say that yet. Uh, that's on the next one. Have that yet? All right. Pre-millennialism. <laughs> this the one people love. Okay. Pre-millennialism. <laughs> Pre-mill. I'm not. I'm not doing that. All right. Okay. Let's do this one together. Yes, this is the classical view of premillennialism. I'm sorry, thank you, Minister Hudson. This put on the top of that classic. In the classic premillennialism view, there's a church age, all right, and then there's a number seven component um, that we did not put on our list, and that's called the tribulation. because some people view that you could, those are the ones that everybody knows we have together, and then there's some that say tribulation. That's pretty much those that believe that the tribulational period was during Christ's day. All right. All right. Okay. All righty. So on the classic pre-mill, we have the church, we have the church age, right? And then we, I'm going to put a T for tribulation. Okay. we got the tribulation in there with the church age. All right. And then they believe that the believers were raised from the dead. That, yeah? All right, so here's the believers raising up from the dead. All right? Okay, which then gives us another term. It becomes number eight on our list. Look, I'm writing in white, like it ain't showing up. <laughs> All right, which is the catching up of believers to be with Christ, which we call the what? Rapture. Go back to our list. That becomes number eight. Okay. All right. In the rapture, there's a point where Christ, when he comes down, let's, let's put Christ. These are the views that have uh, two appearances of Christ. You remember we said we can reconcile it by having two appearances of Christ? This is one of those views. Okay. So here is the, the, uh, the first appearance of Christ. All right, he comes down, shows himself, the believers are raptured up, okay? And then immediately, we all come back down with Christ. Christ 
and believers. All right? Yes? So we come, we go up, in the twinkle of an eye, Christ shows up, we, show, we go up, we're raptured up, we're raised, and then we come back down and reign with him. Yes. Tribulation is a point in scriptures, I think it's in Matthew 25, where it's mostly talked and spoken about, is where there's just a ton of horrible things that happen. Um, Revelation kind of alludes to it with the mark of the beast and all that. Most people think that kind of stuff happens within there. Um, but it's just when, I mean, you can't buy food. Christ prophesies about it. The book of Revelation picks it up. But you can't buy food without a certain mark. You know, there's a famine in all the world. It's just a lot of horrible things. Okay? That's the tribulation period. Lonita and then Ariana. Uh-huh. Oh, the judgment is when he sits on the throne and tell y'all to come before his throne. And yeah, tribulation is just bad stuff happening on earth. I mean, horrible, horrible things all over. Okay, all right, cool. So then Christ comes back, all right, because we just had a resurrection of just the believers. Boom, come back, boom, right? Then we reign, according to their view, for a millennial. The mill. And Christ comes back after a thousand years. We all reign. And then I need a throne. And then, then there's judgment day after a thousand years. We, we raise up the unbelievers, then we judge. All right? And then it's eternal. Okay? Any questions? The tribulation here is with the church age. The entire tribulation. That's... Biblically, it's prophesied by Christ in the book of Revelations that it's seven years of absolute garbage. Okay. And a lot of torture for Christians. Okay. How you doing? Everybody all right? We only have one more. <laughs> yes. Angelina. Uh-huh. That's judgment. Uh-huh. That's judgment. The reign with Christ is millennial. This chair is a judgment throne. Okay. Taylor. Right back. We're like, yes. Blip, blip. Let's get to business. That's, that's that belief. I know y'all going to frown your faces on this, for those of you that have been here forever, because this ain't the one we really use to talk about things with because of how your face is looking. You can just hear it. That don't even make no sense. We're going to twinkle, twinkle, come back down. Uh-uh, twinkle, twinkle me out of here. I'm just kidding. I right, got questions, Shamar, Gabby. 
Okay, there's two different things. The Islamic extremists want people dead that are Jewish or Christian. Christians don't want anybody dead. You can just get judged by God himself. That's a unique difference. In the physicality of war, Christians should not be fighting. Do you want to answer to that question? Okay, war happens because we're in a fallen state. That means that everything is dying. Because everything is dying, there's scarcity. And when there's scarcity, people have to do things to maintain life because that is the human uh, method, which is why with the Holy Spirit, we do things that are not necessarily towards maintaining our life because we're trying to, uh, we're looking toward an eternal. So we get set free from some of the sin, like war, because this is not our only life, so we don't have to fight for anything here. We can let it all go. Yes? There you go. All right. Good job. All right. Who's next? Yes? It will come in now. Yes. Yes. And, we, and all Christians will experience it, not necessarily be raptured up. Yes? All right. Any other questions? Yeah? Okay, very good. Last one. Yes. This, one. this one. This the one. Y'all say this. This the one. Okay. It was that one. No, it was this one. It's this one. Okay, this is pre-tribulational. Pre-tribulational pre-millennialism. Pre-tribulational pre-millennialism. Pre-tribulation, pre-millennialism. Okay. Pre-tribulational, okay, that means before tribulation. Pre-millennialism, that means before Christ's reign. Okay. So in this view, Christ comes back. Christ, can y'all see? Christ, all right, all right. We do the rapture. Christ shows up in a twinkling of an eye. Those that are alive in Christ are changed, okay? And those that are dead in Christ are resurrected. So you have a resurrection. Okay. Yes? And then there's tribulation in between the two. All right? So it's, that's why it's pre-millennial, pre-trib. So Christ makes his first appearance to catch us all up with him in the rapture. This is right now one of the most common views given how things have been playing out for all these years. All right. So Christ shows, cracks the sky, shows up. We never cracked the sky. He comes down on clouds on this one. And we see him, and in the twinkling of an eye, everybody that's a believer is out of here, and everybody that was dead is raised from the dead. Okay? 
Yes. I'm not, we're, we're not done. Okay. All right. Yes. Okay. Cool. Okay. So then the tribulation comes while we're not here. Okay. Which means now we're hoping that the Jews who rejected Christ after the rapture are going to be like, oh, no. He was the Messiah, which fulfills the prophecy that God said they would come back. He, you know, Jews will come back to believing that Christ was the Messiah. And they will be the ones that are trying to evangelize while everybody is going through the tribulation. Which kind of makes sense. Right? All right. And then after the tribulational period of seven years, Christ comes back with us. All right? And that's this area right here. We all come back, dun, 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 dun. he cracks open the sky, he comes with his white horse, all of us come, you know, trumpets are raining, the city comes down, and we all reign with Christ for a thousand years. We get rid of war, we get rid of famine, we help to, you know, help get things back on track, all right? As a kingdom, we reign the entire world, all right? Nothing new of the earth has happened. It's the same slop that was left after the tribulation. But we're, now we're coming to help reign, all right? And for a thousand years, we get everything back on track. Now people got food, you know, there's no more war. Everything's going great, sort of. Because at some point, some of the nations start to rebel and they don't like us ruling over them. And so that becomes problematic, all right? So um, there's a huge uh, judgment seat now comes here with the resurrection of unbelievers in a new heaven and new earth and then the eternity. So most people feel that at the end, the end of the millennial reign when the nations rise up and don't, that's when the great Armageddon happens. All right, when all the nations fight against God's kingdom. All right, and that's, that's where that is. Now, the other view, because this tribulational view has problems, this pre-trib view has problems because it's very American. The pre-trib view says, I mean, we ain't ever got to suffer. We ain't got to go through that kind of stuff. Meanwhile, other nations that we see currently are being slaughtered everywhere for believing in Christ. But we feel like, oh, no, we get to leave before that gets to happen. So it's very American. So a lot of people begin to think that we are here for half of the tribulational period. And then it start getting too thick. Seals start getting broken. You know, because there's seals, there's trumpets, there's seals. There's seven trumpets, seven seals. The seals are way more harsh than the trumpets. All right? So there's seven and seven. And the book of Revelation is divided in forms of groups of seven for a reason. All right? So that's why it's important. I don't have time to go into that today, but okay. So we are kind of for the most part, in this pre-trib, partial-trib, pre-millennial category as Protestants, for the most part. Questions? Questions? Yes. Right. There's no tribulation in the first two. Amillennialism and post-millennialism, there's no tribulation. 
And pretty much that tribulation, for the most part, they believe had already happened in Jesus' day and in the New Testament church, the age of the church fathers. But that's if you make, when he says the entire world or all nations, allegorical and not literal. Because it was just in that area. So they're saying that when the Bible says all of the world, they just mean that area. So we don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hold to that. Because if he says all the world, then he knows all the world because he's also been known to call out nations. And I'm pretty sure he knew there was going to be an internet and airplanes. So I'm pretty sure his word choice was that way for a reason, even though they couldn't fathom it at the time. 